This podcast was recorded on May 18th, 2020. Hello, ladies and gentlemen and people outside the binary. This is Less Stupid with Thomas Huda, a show that's completely uncut, uncensored, and a little bit unapologetic, let's say, about the fact that this didn't go all that smoothly. Actually, that's not at all true because I am apologetic. (laughs) I don't like to put people through bad technology. So let me just start out with some bars um, because I can't play a beat because I tried to do that, but uh, I'm just going to spit some bars for um, this project. If you ain't think I was really doing this, then you don't know me at all. 20 plus years in my hometown and I won't let the town fall. Pull up a seat, all of Eugene, if you don't know me at all. Came back from New York and the homies there were like, enjoy Seattle. Too many people that's running, they not even from here. Still the same MB I was when they said I was some queer. He's all over the place, so we've never elected a kid before. Does Thomas even have policies? I only have 64. Damn, I got a plan. It's not for power to put in my hand. I'm trying to give it all back to the little people in Eugene, because together we're grand. No, I don't be playing piano, even though I am an Asian. Every track is so mathematical, subtracting rap that's not amazing. I got a whole lot of skill that I can bring to the position. I'm a run a tough race, but I love my competition. See the look on their face when I rap at a meeting. Trouble urine like a cat that a bleeding. Making dinner from the track in a meeting. Rhetoric is really lacking in meaning. Small businesses and 20-somethings used to love Eugene. Now they're laughing and leaving. You're thinking that my flow isn't likely. Blindsided like it's COVID-19. If you were Trump, could have known we ain't ready for a pandemic, but you couldn't focus on the right things. Tweeting out inappropriate writings. You were warned by Department of Health. Chris Hertoff, Tony Fauci, you ignore till it's harm and a wealth. Hindsight 2020, though, it's not about you. What I do for Eugene. Since the campaign started, I've been working hella hard and we're Ah, I fucked it up. Since the campaign started, I've been working hella hard and wrote 140 news magazines. So I ain't trying to do MAGA things. I quarantine with some food and some drinks. Dems lining up for Joe Biden like it's Clinton part two Losing the blink of an eye if you nominate someone that young people don't even like And it so many times that he shows that he lies Goes on the mic like I'm Obama's homie, we know it, alright? Venice and Biden demean the young Dear Joe, what you stand for? Patriot Act putting troops in Iraq If you're president, bet you demand war And that's the kind of neoliberal anti-change making leadership we don't need We don't need it in the White House We don't need it here in our local government as well That is... A track that I would love to put out with music someday, but we're just going to roll along. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, I've got a couple of news stories to go over that I want to talk about out of the gate, and then in probably about five minutes, I'll go through and just explain my policy platform. We'll make this program last maybe... Oh, nice. Thank you. I'm seeing uh, comments saying, damn, and get it. So thank you, Marvelo and SnackTack. Um... There are some issues that are happening in the campaign that are worth public discussion. And what little voice that I have, I'm going to go ahead and use it to talk about some of those things because I didn't go into this expecting that the mainstream corporate media giants that are not particularly local, um, but that are doing work here in terms of getting the word out in Eugene, I don't want to totally dismiss them. Um, (laughs) <laughs> you couldn't hear, but I was doing ad libs, says Snack Deck. Thank you. Um, I don't want to totally dismiss regular mainstream media. Um, I, my very best friend works there uh, with KVAL, and I've had a great deal of appreciation for KVAL growing up in North Eugene. They cover. Um, oh, my phone camera's gone. That's good. Uh, they cover a lot of issues that were off the beaten path and uh, were willing to get up. River Road a little bit and come talk to us. So that was something that I always really appreciated. Um, but 
they weren't very receptive to the following story. So um, I am going to go ahead and pull it up. It's a press release that I wrote and I sent to KVAL, KMTR, KZI, our, our Register Guard, Eugene Weekly, KLCC, and I should have sent it to the Emerald, but at this point in the election, I don't think they were going to cover it. It's about a First Amendment violation, um, and the only reason that I'm going to bring this up a little further, because I did address it on a previous Less Stupid podcast episode, is because there are developments in the story. So, Mayor Lucy Vinnis' campaign contests claim of First Amendment violation the headline of the press release that I wrote. <laughs> and uh, on Sunday, May 10th, the campaign committee to re-elect Eugene Mayor Lucy Vinnis received an email from fellow mayoral candidate Thomas Huda. Huda expressed concern that the Vinnis campaign's operations were in violation of the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Um, and really all I got to keep saying about this is that it's actually not legal to block people from commenting on um, your Facebook page if you are an elected official. It's something that Donald Trump is not allowed to do. Um, he can't even do it on his real Donald Trump Twitter, which of course he started before he was president, um, because it's it's an abridgment of what's called a limited public forum. The U.S. Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals determined this on January 7th of 2019. Um, and... The Venice campaign, I finally reached out to them. I, I had put this story out into the universe um, with that less stupid video in early April. Um, and I had talked about it with a few other people, but it became something I wanted to talk to them about because I'm kind of a lover, not a fighter. I don't want to go in and ask. Uh, I don't necessarily want to pursue legal options. Um, and I don't think I could really afford to as well. But I wanted them to stop doing something that the U.S. Constitution doesn't allow them to do. So uh, I emailed them, and the response I got was basically, this is legal because uh, it's actually a private page. Um, I'll quote directly. The page you're referring to, re-elect Mayor Lucy Venice, is a private page owned and managed by Lucy's campaign committee. It is not owned or managed by the mayor herself, nor is it an official government page. Since it is a private page, we have no legal obligation to allow negative, self-promoting, or hostile comments on the page. We have made this clear in our page posting policy rules, which can be found on the Facebook page. And that is their argument. They're saying, it's, it's not a government page. What are you talking about? Well, the reality is that if you are a public official... And that is the page that, that was representing her um, before uh, it was changed to re-elect Mayor Lucy Venice. It was literally just called Mayor Lucy Venice. It's very much her page. It's very much um, something that she is accountable to in terms of acting within the law, like we all should when we're running a campaign. So um, it's, it's certainly an issue for her to say, oh, it's a private page. We can do whatever we want. Um, no, you are, when, you, when you put your hand on the... Um, when you, sw when you were sworn into office in January of 2016, you were sworn in to defend, of 2017, you were sworn in to defend the U.S. Constitution. So uh, we're all subject to that. And the reason it gets especially hairy now is because people from, probably from that campaign, but we don't know who, uh, have been reporting posts that are completely um, tolerable and acceptable, um, not just on that page itself on Facebook, but people making personal posts on their own pages, highlighting their own campaign platforms. So that's the, the second little story I want to talk about. Um, 
Facebook has seemed to be complicit in uh, acts where people are pretending that there are terms of service violations in a post where literally five candidates that I'm running kind of alongside or against are just posting their own campaign website. So it's solidarityplatformeugene.org, and they literally are just posting their site, which shows their platforms. And that is considered, literally, if you were to try to go on Facebook now and post that that URL, solidarityplatformeugene.org, which, by the way, I'm not even a part of them. I just want everyone to be treated fairly, right? It's It doesn't let you post it. And I thought that was so bogus and... There's no way. They're, they, maybe they're overblowing this. There's a misunderstanding. No, literally, you can't post that. Um, so, I mean, it's really not politically smart for me to say, hey, go and type in this um, site. But I I don't, you know, my foremost freaking obligation is to fairness and um, a better electoral process in Eugene. And if it's true that Lucy Venus campaign is involved in this, in um, flagging so many posts, that the literal campaign website of an opposing candidate. Um, Snack Tax says, they might have you on that, technically, TBH. It's kind of like a super PAC where it's obviously hers, but there's one degree of separation. But fighting it could be a good campaign move. Well, um, it's... I We will see about that, certainly. But it's bummer. It's a bummer that Emily Mooney came back uh, with an email, and, and she's the campaign manager for Venice, and she said... Um, we're going to consult with our uh, lawyer about this on Thursday or Friday. That's the earliest that we can get her in. Um, because I, I did um, specifically say that, um, yeah, a private page that represents a public official is not exempt from the court's ruling. Hey, Brooklyn Wetzel's here. Right on. Protect our digital spaces. Absolutely. So I'm glad people are participating and recognizing that this is not okay. Everybody has the right to campaign um, with basic infrastructure that the, the internet gives them. It's, um, it's not enough for somebody to, to have, you know, six figures more dollars and be able to run ads, uh, all over the internet and in publications, etc. It's not enough to have your campaign be the only one that gets to do a chamber of commerce forum, um, and take advantage of other platforms that really get the word out. How is it that you can then, and my voice cracks on this cause I get passionate, um, make such an in unjust limitation on other people's right to campaign. So I'm not a fan of that. Um, and I also, that's about all I want to say with that. Um, the ballots need to be turned in tomorrow. So there are about 25%, it's probably a little higher, like maybe 30% now as I'm recording this, um, just after 6 p.m. on May 18th. And that's, that's sad that only that many people have turned in their stuff. Um, but, uh, hopefully there's just a lot of people who actually it's, it tends to skew younger people who hang on to their ballots longer and turn in at the last minute, uh, are my generation. So let's go millennials. What's up? Um, and hopefully we also get some, some zoomers there who are 18, right? Is that, that's not quite millennial anymore. Generations are speeding up so quickly. Um, yeah, so that is happening. And please do turn in those ballots. I think I would normally want to do another wrap, but it's going to be so corny without... Uh, I'll just do a little bit of bop, and then I'll get back to Brooklyn Wetzel's comment. So if you've heard bop by DaBaby, 
this is my flip on that. Yo. Ha! Eugene needs a mayor who's competent, someone who is confident, communicative, and has like a major accomplishment. 24 years of Tory and Piercy and Venice, and I'm a beginner to speak on the shit. You'd think that Eugene would be thriving, but I'd say the climate that I'm in is not the shit. I ain't a doctor, a Japanese rapper. Imagine how mad that my mama is. She told me, Psycho, you can't be the mayor, but I don't do shit just so my mom ain't pissed. That's all you get. <laughs> um, back to Brooklyn Wetzel's comment. Um, yeah, you still got your ballot. Honestly, I, I stumbled over talking about that because I still have my ballot too. <laughs> but Matthew, you posted that it helps, um, people who are doing campaign work, get out the wor vote work, still get paid because they can, um, I mean, they have more work to do. They have a lot of people who they need to alert that the ballots are not, uh, in and that there's still a chance to make your voice heard in this local election. So, I don't have much else um, besides going straight into the crux of the show. So here we go. We have 40 minutes left, but I, I will probably knock this out much quicker than 40 minutes. Um, and maybe um, what I'm so what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain my 64 policies. And uh, I wanted to do this in a way that's not boring, <laughs> but like the conventional wisdom in politics is people don't pay attention to policy. They pay attention to personality and marketing and, you know, savvy talking points, but people don't like to get into the weeds. Um, but I, I want to, um, do some of these in terms of freestyle as well, freestyle hip hop. Um, but there are some topics that are a little more appropriate to do that with and some that are a little less appropriate. So I will definitely freestyle through my art policy plan, but um, I am just going to go straight into the first policy plan, which has to do with education. Um, education is something I have a strong background in because I was a teacher. I worked as a college guidance counselor very successfully for the Leadership Enterprise for a Diverse America program at Princeton. And I um, am very frustrated when I think of this issue because um, the mayor essentially believes that it's not her job and it's not the city's job to um, fix the issues that are going on in our schools. I totally disagree. I view the mayor as having a ceremonial and spiritual role in our community and being somebody who needs to um, be connected with those schools uh, and the universities, and um, make sure that whatever um, they can do, they, they inspire leadership there that connects people more with the city of Eugene. But I'll talk more about that um, on bullet point three. If you are interested in following along, hue.2020.org, um, you'll see eight-part policy plans. I'm on pillar one, education. Pillar one, education. Bullet one. Menstrual hygiene products in schools free of charge. I wanted to run on this as my number one policy because I'm unabashedly um, willing to fight for issues that people don't necessarily think of as being politically correct, I guess. Um, on, November 24th, 20, uh, on November 4th, 2019, I announced this as the first policy I would fight for. I believe that if the school board could not fund this basic necessity for students, the city would be able to make it happen in my first year in office. But luckily, 4J made this commitment less than three weeks after my announcement last November. Um, and as mayor, I will fight for Bethel and private schools to do the same. Um, people should not feel ashamed for menstruating in schools. And they should, uh, it should be covered just like toilet paper is covered. Bullet two on education. Pay teachers closer to what they deserve with federal and state advocacy. 
I know what it means for teachers to feel underappreciated. While it is more common in our popular culture to hear about this, this treatment coming from students, many of my friends who are still educators feel it more strongly from district officials and administrators. On a human level, these heroes deserve a decent wage. And at the basic market level, we cannot attract and retain the best talent to the profession if the brightest educators can make twice the money with a smaller workload as private tutors. While this is not a City of Eugene policy to fight for, I would fight for it in my mayoral role as an ethical and spiritual leader for our community. Bullet 3. Visit schools and report back weekly. As mayor of a town that revolves around education, I will make an unprecedented commitment to visit a school at least once every single week. Uh, I am a former educator, and this would be hardly work for me. I would relish the opportunity to be connected with what's going on in our schools, encouraging civic engagement from youth, and reporting back honestly in weekly mayoral blogs. People might not re understand or recognize that um, some of the most successful mayors in Eugene's history have been very close with education. Kitty Piercy, who served the second longest of any mayor and was the second woman to ever be elected to the position, and has a huge name in Eugene because people know about things she's done, right? She was a kindergarten teacher for quite some time. Jim Torrey was the mayor before her, and he uh, was very involved with the schools, has been a school board member in two different um, times in his in his life uh, here in 4J, and he kind of famously read to all the kindergarten classes in school uh, when he began being the mayor. Um, let's take a comment break. Marvolo, well, I don't know if I should shout out people's names. I'm going to shout out people's names. Um, she says, yes, I can't tell you how many time, how many awkward moments of not having menstrual supplies made, made me incapable of participating in physical education classes and often ended up going home early. So I'm glad that youth leaders, um, period Eugene, for example, is an org that has fought for that. And um, I kind of just um, was ready to fight for it. And then all of a sudden, scrolling through Facebook and see people sharing uh, news links that had already happened. So uh, I was like, hell yeah on that. Um, Ed Bullet 4, support the LCC bond. Our campaign will be on the same ballot as this crucial bond. I'm so proud that Eugenians have continually put our students first, voting for more funding when the state has been an inconsistent source of revenue. I urge you to vote for this bond, and I'll fight for and promote LCC opportunities within K-12 schools as mayor of Eugene. Um, I believe strongly that we have kind of a messed up perception that youth get that LCC is not a good place to study. What? That's an absurd proposition. Um, but it's something that they're, it's not because of them. It's because of people's perceptions of community uh, uh, college writ large. And it's very classist on the national scale, our perception of trade schools and um, vocational programs and two-year certificates and one-year certificates and all sorts of things that are very specially linked to a you know, vocation. I had a more broad liberal arts education and ultimately I really appreciated that they taught me how to study hard and think hard and be critical. But it, I mean, people who did like shorter, like flight attendant programs and dentist programs, uh, they ended up being able to have more reliable income than people who like graduated with an American studies degree, let's say. Um, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity we have in LCC, but we have to keep their facilities up to par and make sure that um, anybody attending there gets the benefit of the basic infrastructure that this bond supports. So please support that bond. Ed, point number five, oppose stopwatch-based reading tests. I will work with education leaders to emphasize comprehension, critical thought, and creative literacy. 
When you measure a kid's reading by words per minute, you simultaneously suck the joy out of reading and encourage them to view language arts as a race. This is damaging and antithetical to the skills that elementary education should be equipping our youth with. I have a comment break. Snack Tax says, it's also the cult of worshiping higher education, quote unquote, as the only viable path to a solid education. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, my friend, that the K through 12 world and K through 16 world are being rocked by the changes in technology. They're being, they're having to, they better keep up with it. They better be able to integrate those solutions better um, because otherwise people are, um, I mean, it's just amazing how well educated many of my friends are who did not go to a bachelor's program and some of my friends who have bachelor's degrees and um, remain so ignorant of some topics. Brooklyn Wetzel says, we're going to have some interesting conversations about education. Point number six, join the school board members calling for less homework, less homework. Let's go. Um, there's a growing coalition of 4J board members, Martina Shabram and Gordon Lafer, who have brought this tough truth forward. The benefits of the national trend of increased homework expectations has not kept up with the downsides. As a teacher and student, I've always said uh, school should be a place where learning is fun. Let's be clear, over-assigning homework puts the most vulnerable and at-risk students at a greater disadvantage. Teachers should be empowered with the resources to make more of the magic happen in the classroom. I would also add to that these are little blurbs that I wrote for the policies for the website that there are a lot of people who aren't, who don't have access to a safe place to do homework. Um, they don't have home conditions that are conducive to doing the kinds of studying that we are expecting people to do. So some people are big advocates of flipped classrooms, um, especially in things like math where you, um, get the lesson at home, like on Khan Academy or on some kind of uh, video site and then you go to school and you do the homework, the, the problem sets um, in the classroom. Um, this is, again, this is something that we have to remember can make an assumption that people have places to do homework outside of school. Um, they should be able to get a lot more of their content um, within the school hours and then just be people, be kids who have time to uh, do other crap. <laughs> um, maybe like learning about being a human being and shit like that. Um, and Brooklyn Wetzel is asking, am I open to radical change in education? And she says, no homework, later start times, less testing. I don't see any of those three things as being radical. <laughs> I, I Unfortunately, um, with so much privatization that's happening in ed and people using for-profit models that try to extract money from especially higher education um, instead of, you know, focusing on learning and focusing on positive, um, you know. My point is that um, these things shouldn't be radical, but in a world where everything is seen as an industry that we can profit from. And I, and I would say healthcare is something like this too, uh, where healthcare is being overrun by, uh, by, you know, thousands of infrastructural nightmare plans that prevent us from having a universal healthcare system. Um, and I don't know that any of the things that Brooklyn Wetzel is proposing are radical. Uh, snack tax says flexibility and accommodation should be top priorities for education. See, I, I 
I would say that a lot of people understandably recognize that Washington, D.C. cannot um, make the decisions for everybody about what they should be learning. That's just not sustainable or positive. I think that I'm going to have to move through these a little quicker um, because I only have half an hour left of the live stream. So, number seven, oppose costly and unnecessary bonuses for college and university presidents. As mayor, I would publicly oppose all bonuses for the presidents of higher education institutions until their tuition and fees are genuinely affordable. A school's job is to educate all people and promote social mobility, not to give six-figure bonuses to the highest paid leader in an Oregon public university. Um, this is one of those points you see me being a little more responsive, uh, reactive to shit that I hadn't liked um, seeing in our community. Um, as mayor, I would, I would have a... I would develop a relationship with President Schill, um, and that relationship is not going to be the same old namby-pamby, um, you're never going to get criticism from me relationship that I think uh, he's gotten from the mayoral office, um, which exists in part because uh, the current mayor is very invested in the kinds of... She wants to be able to point to economic achievements, and when you're close with the university and you um, don't seem to have a lot of critical dialogue for the kinds of investments that they make and the impact that it has on our neighborhoods and on our community, then, I mean, there's not going to be much accountability. Um, let me make a point about accountability right now, which is that our city government needs charter reform. And it needs a, an independent elected city auditor because right now people are as far away from the decisions that are made as possible. The highest official that you can elect is the mayor. The mayor is a, in a weak mayor system does not have um, the powers that the city manager has to run the city. They don't have the powers that the city council has to vote on policy. They set the agenda and they're a spiritual figurehead. That's Those are powerful things, but um, it's not like I as mayor could go to... Um, you know, wave my wand and make the university act in the interest that everybody wants. It's something that um, you would do through relationship building. Um, and I'm unwilling, I'm, I'm very willing to be disliked. <laughs> That's something I've been used to in my life. I, I, have a, I have a personality that puts some people off and that is okay. I still try to be a nice person and uh, I don't have to be best friends with the president of the university. Um, I will be best friends with the people writ large. The last education policy point, educational opportunities for inmates. No matter your perspective on public safety, there are meaningful arguments for why having a more literate inmate population is good for us all. From the perspective of rehabilitation, programs like the Bard Prison Initiative have been shown to reduce violent behavior. There's bipartisan legislation from our congressman and representative David Trone to reallow Pell Grants in prisons. Our most progressive community members do not tend to agree with Betsy DeVos on much, but we can agree on this. In Eugene, we can disseminate knowledge to inmates and ensure opportunities for growth. Um, I had a professor in college named Deborah Appleman who wrote a book called um, Words No Bars Can Hold. I highly recommend checking it out because she has done a lot of education inside of prisons and jails, and it's so important. It also actually, I mean, who is surprised by this, right? But it reduces violent crime in the prisons, and just because it's happening in prisons doesn't mean that we shouldn't be concerned about violent crime happening to human beings. The second pillar issue, mental health. Policy point number one, bring this issue out of the shadows. 
It's not a very um, wonky policy, but it's a policy nonetheless. Promoting a more empathetic and scientific dialogue about mental health is something the mayor can do on their own. We have to affirm that there's no shame in having neurodivergence in one's family. I happen to live with PTSD and generalized anxiety. Um, and people tell me bipolar disorder as well, but I don't know. I love my brain, and having medically accurate knowledge of these conditions has allowed me to be as productive and happy as anyone else. Um, if you can't think of another issue more obviously where the mayor can be a public voice to try to reduce stigma, um, this should be the issue you think about. Snack Tax says being disliked by the right people can be a great thing. I agree. Um, this is a policy point number two that might get me disliked by some people, but I still think it's worth mentioning. Um, reduce drug use among young teens. This is a public health issue for many in our community, and denying that fact will not get us anywhere. Cannabis, alcohol, illicit drugs, and yes, nicotine and caffeine can all be abused. For 12 and 13-year-olds, the centers of the brain associated with pleasure develop faster than those associated with risk analysis and decision-making. We need to empower youth leaders to do relevant, evidence-based advocacy if we want to change the culture. Um, this reminds me of a different problem that I helped address in high school um, called uh, the Words Can Hurt campaign we used to address um, bullying and hate speech. Um, and the reason I mention it is because, no, I don't think that the average mayor is going to come in and, and everybody's going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to what that person says and I'm going to stop smoking pot. That's delusional. What I want to do is empower people within those communities who have been affected in ways that sometimes don't get the right kind of attention by addiction, by um, related substance health, uh, substance and mental health problems. Um, and we certainly need to statewide increase the resources for um, recovery services, but we also locally can just um, empower people to um, do um, campaigns of public awareness. Mental health number three. Work with state and federal officials to bring us from 50th best to the top 20 by 2030 on this issue. Oregon's ranked 50th in the country for how well our mental health resources meet the need for them. This is an accurate statistic as it is responsive to 15 different measures of success. That accuracy is exactly why we'll be able to change it quickly if we make the urgent changes we must make. Eugene has a great community of mental health professionals who are working even harder after COVID-19. But we have to fund programs, boosting resources and humane accountability within drug courts and mental health courts. Um, our whole county and city can show leadership in our state on this, and we must. Um, this is... I'm, I, I can be a little bit vulnerable, and I'm, I've said plenty of things... Um, about my family in this race before. Um, but I haven't mentioned that like right now, um, my, my father is in the hospital for, um, treatment of, uh, mental health crisis that has occurred recently. Um, I really hope to be able to report good news to him on Wednesday, uh, because this has been such a race that has, um, consumed a lot of time, energy, passion, um, for my budget, a lot of money even though it's just like less than a thousand bucks. And um, yeah, I don't need to get into it too much, but I just want to say this is powerfully relevant to my life. And so you will see that as mayor, I have no interest in dragging my feet on this. Mental health number four, support veterans in greatest need, navigating the bureaucracy around benefits. 
It has been too long since our community was recognized for positive steps on supporting veterans. In conversation with State Representative Marty Wildey, who himself is a veteran, I learned of a bill to bridge the famously arduous gap in federal benefits for our heroes, and particularly those struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder and related mental health challenges. The goal is to provide guardianship that helps vets do their paperwork and access more of the $10,000 per year dollars that the federal government allots to them. The state should better fund the OPG program, and I would work to make sure it's well implemented on the ground in Eugene. Pretty self-explanatory. People have put their lives on the line serving the United States military, and then they're treated um, poorly by a system that doesn't recognize what that what happened to them is incredibly tra- traumatic. Um, and even then, um, a whole host of other health issues can lead to making it difficult to fill out VA benefits forms. There are difficult forms to fill out. So um, Marty Wilde said to me that um, this is an issue where we don't provide funding here locally, but we have a real strong um, need to connect people with the funding that exists. Comment break. It's Colin81 says, upward point and a thumbs up. Wow, that's awesome. At first I thought the upward point was a middle finger, but that's okay. Uh, it's not. <laughs> and it's okay to middle finger me. I won't delete your comment. So, number five for mental health, lend a listening ear to school therapists and mental health professionals. Working in the education world for years in different parts of the country showed me some of the trends that unfortunately remain all too common. One of those is that school therapists and guidance counselors are not listened to enough or included in discussions about the vision or direction of the school. Some like to keep a low profile, but they still have very valuable insights if we make a point to listen to them. I will find ways to do that consistently as mayor. Again, something that's not going to cost money, it's just going to be something that's going to be a priority for me, is to actually get to know those people and get them what they need. Mental health number six. I love this one. Throw a multi-genre concert for mental wellness. In 2019, a study showed that 73% of independent musicians experience mental illness. There is some great literature on the links between creativity and different neurotypes. One of the most invigorating ways we can change the narrative around this correlation is by celebrating difference together. Live music from artists across genres, poetry, stand-up comedy, and a sense of togetherness will define our concert for mental wellness. Um, This is a powerful issue, and it's powerfully inconvenient that uh, my stream may have just died um but i'm hoping that it's still streaming and i should continue on just like the podcast should continue on um mental health number seven embrace the role that nature plays the intersection of mental wellness and exposure to nature is getting increasing attention in the field this is not a frivolous point but a worthwhile examination of that which brings eugene together our love of nature I personally have a Christian faith, so I view our abundant natural beauty as a divine gift. But all people can recognize how beautiful Eugene is around the buttes, wetlands, and riverfronts. By taking mental wellness from a scary place and recognizing it in a space that gives everyone comfort, I can advocate for positive change as mayor. I believe in that strongly. Um, And I am going to take like a 30-second break to try to get this stream going still. So just... I feel like when I listen to podcasts, I don't like when there's dead air, so I'm just naming that there's some dead air. Maybe take it as a tiny little <laughs> meditative thing. I don't know. Um, I could also text my friend and say, is the stream still working? 
Cool. This is going to have to be the only less stupid episode that is edited, I think. I just can't um, do this all. Oh, it says it's still working. Okay, well, I can't respond to comments anymore, um, but I will just continue to roll and let the people know that I have six more policy plans to talk to talk about uh, after I finish up the eighth policy plan for mental health. Um, and I say thank you, Marvolo, with a little heart react. Mental health eight. Eugene is almost a sanctuary city. Let's live up to what we say. There are many goals listed as accomplishments by the current leadership, whether they have taken place yet or not. One of these is formally labeling Eugene a sanctuary city, which did not happen. The county sheriff's office and immigrant rights activists were in disagreement about ICE in February 2019, and my take on this is that hollow rhetorical support for any group of Eugenians is not permissible anymore. For many in our town, undocumented or not, stress around ICE operations is a legitimate mental health issue. Um, and I put that in there because I want people to expand their ideas about what constitutes mental health, um, and I think it's absolutely worth mentioning that... Um, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, which has not been around very long, uh, only like less than two decades, um, people, I hope, can recognize all the accountability issues and the moral issues that lead me to think we should abolish ICE. Um, and people might agree with that. They might not. That's what I believe. Um, and I especially believe that the mayor could have taken a stronger stance. Instead of just saying that I'm not supporting the ICE um agents by, you know, we're not, we're not giving them Eugene police support and Lane County Sheriff support. That's not enough. We have to actively oppose it. Pillar three, business. So we should wall regulate Wall Street speculators more than Willamette Street marketeers. Uh, when I go down um, the streets of Eugene, I see a lot of wonderful eccentric businesses. I'm thinking of my friend Lazar uh, Makidath, who uh, has ran for, run for mayor before, who owns Lazar's Bazaar. Um, and a whole bunch of excellent businesses that are, we're already having a much more difficult time than they should before COVID struck. And, um, so that's just a simple statement where I say that I believe in regulating people who, um, are, take, uh, financial risks with our money and our, and our, uh, stocks and we should regulate less uh, the small businesses that are trying to get by. Business number two, work with grassroots advocates of all stripes, including Eugene Wake Up. It takes courage to speak out when you're in the minority. While I do not support every post and message from the advocacy group Eugene Wake Up, I admire their commitment to a safe community for all. Too many business leaders have experienced destruction of property, intimidation, and vandalism. In working toward solutions, I would want to involve members of EWU who have made it clear that lawless and destructive behavior are far from limited to the unhoused community. Um, it's true. They have um, made efforts before to uh, recognize that we are not targeting any particular group of people based on their housing status. Um, and when they have failed to make that distinction clear, I have criticized it, but um, it, it's something that we should hopefully be able to get to a point where we recognize that biases and um, hateful rhetoric exist on both sides of this issue, and we can come together and focus on ways to get rid of that, um, that unfortunate reality of our cultural climate. I'll talk more about cultural climate in the cultural climate pillar. Um, 
just to give a roadmap, we are a few into business and we're still going to do housing, climate, art, history, and climate again. Um, we're going to do it in less than 18 minutes. So I, I'm just going to speed this up. I can no longer see the comments, but I am appreciative that people are listening. Business number three, economic emergency fund for small business loans, advocacy before and after COVID-19. I've been calling for this since November because there it's, 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 it's almost weird for me to talk about this now. So I'll just, I'll just say that, um, it wasn't, it didn't take brain science or rocket science to know that, um, the economic conditions under this big boom and bust, uh, situation that Trump brought us are not incredibly sustainable, right? So, um, we need to be able to bail out people who are, uh, here in Eugene operating small businesses when needed. Um, and of course get that money back eventually. So business number four, workforce development program for local college graduates. This ties back into my LCC support before where I strongly believe that um, we should be able to bring in people who uh, are from around here to be able to be a part of the business community here um, or who have graduated from our schools here and then want to actually stay in Eugene. Uh, I don't want Eugene to just be this little fun destination where you come and experience hippie culture uh, and then go back somewhere else and bring the skills that you have developed um, elsewhere. Uh, number five for business, denounce, denounce Jeff Bezos every month at council meetings, promoting Eugene businesses over Amazon. What more to be said? I wouldn't say it at every meeting, but I would probably close the meetings. Um, and I learned this from some of my great teachers every month, maybe the last meeting of every month by, um, talking about a great Eugene business you can buy from that isn't Amazon. And I would denounce Jeff Bezos because people just do not need to, um, they, <sighs> That guy, <laughs> he he needs some greater accountability. And it's hard to hold people accountable for the way that your workers are treated when you are the richest person in the entire world. Number six, business. Protect rights for gig workers and STR operators. A lot of my friends are in the gig economy. And they um, should be able to thrive and survive um, even though uh, it's uh, not the same kind of employment that other people uh, experience. And also for STRs, that's short-term rentals, which is a kind of um, supplemental income that people um, use. Uh, I've, I've listened to a lot, a lot of Eugenians who have spoken on both sides of that issue in um, Harris Hall to advocate for better um, policymaking. So one of the problems right now is that um, a regulation that, would, uh, that was put into um, proposition was that they would be able to rent out an Airbnb room 90 days out of the year. Now, that is such a such an overreach, in my opinion, um, that prevents people from not only hosting other people in a hospitable way that is more residential and more like, you might say, an authentic Eugenian experience being in a neighborhood, but it also prevents them from um, gathering the income they might need to keep that property up. And um, we, we need to think about our housing stock in Eugene as being um, something more robust. So I, I believe in, in protecting those people from overreach. Business seven, 
prevent discrimination against black-owned businesses and entrepreneurs. Here in Oregon, we must acknowledge that our constitution has deeply racist and anti-black origins. We have to cultivate an environment that's welcoming for all. And we cannot do that while black Eugenians and people of color experience discrimination. Entrepreneurs of color seeking business loans have experienced this throughout our community. Um, I'm proud to have a, a, a platform that recognizes the business community here in Eugene. Um, a lot of candidates in the race don't have something that um, seems to speak to that interest. Um, but in doing that, I want to make sure that you know that my values um, are in looking for looking out for the little guy anywhere possible. <laughs> so, um, or people who have faced unfair treatment. And we can't just persist believing that... Um, we that the status quo is okay with how um, people can still experience the fallout of um, antebellum slavery. <laughs> not not that that happened in Oregon, but sundown town history. And um, yeah, this is something where I I believe it's a tangible and important way that we can prosper. Um, so many communities who have been impacted uh, in Eugene. I I basically just go through Eugene, and I wish that we had. Um, a more vibrant, um, cosmopolitan, multicultural community in all stripes, creatively um, and uh, in the business sector as well. So um, just making sure that those communities, and I'm you know pretty well uh, connected with um, racial justice groups like NAACP, Eugene Springfield, um, that they know that I uh, recognize the uniqueness of issues that um, are experienced by these communities. So, eight-part policy plan number three is almost done. Business number eight, create stronger linkages with the food, beverage, and performing arts communities. These vital businesses have had little reason to celebrate City of Eugene policymaking in recent years. Um, I don't need to say much more about that. Those are my people. <laughs> I think that if uh, I make it to the runoff, the, a lot of those people in those communities will recognize that I am with them. I'm a part of them. I've been my my mom has been a server for my whole life in food service. So I grew up in restaurants. I've worked at Chiba Hut. I've worked, um, you know, all sorts of jobs that um, are about love. Which food is love, man? Um, number four on my pillars. Got to speed it up even more. Pillar number four: housing and homelessness. Number one: call it like it is. Declare a state of emergency on homelessness. Um, zoning is one of the most consistently controversial and divisive city of Eugene issues, and I recognize that. Um, but everybody wants solutions for um, the affordable cost of housing and for um, making sure that people have a safe place to sleep at night. Everybody wants solutions, um, but if we could declare a state of emergency, it allows for um, us to handle that that situation with more urgency. And that's what I'm all about. I'm all about bringing urgency to the solutions that our city needs. Number two, speed up housing efforts that are affordable, including ADUs. ADUs are accessory dwelling units. Uh, and I believe that if you have property that you should um, be able to house um, other people in a, like a you know, a Conestoga hut or um, a, a little dwelling unit in your backyard. Uh, and right now there are too many regulations in place that prevent people from doing that. And frankly, the direct result of that is that more people are out on the street. Number three, housing and homelessness. Increase efficacy of CAHOOTS, which stands for Crisis Assistance Helping Out on the Streets. This program is the envy of cities nationwide 
and it's for good reason. Um, they respond to a lot of the calls on the emergency radio um, that, the, that the Eugene police have, um, but they have a disproportionately small amount of the public safety budget. That budget was expanded with the payroll tax, but I didn't feel that Cahoots got enough of that. Um, and I honor everybody who's trying to keep us safe in the community. Um, and I believe in this program very, very strongly. Um, housing number four. Amend land use code R1 to double housing units allowed. If you look through the the wonky policies that um, constitute our land use code, there are a whole lot of somewhat arbitrary well, not too many, but I identified several um, unfortunate, you know, regulations that go, I think, to, to uh, they, they make it so that when we're trying to address these issues, we do not have, um, like, numbers that match the scale of the problem. And this is one of them, too. Land use code R1. It would basically allow um, religious uh, facilities to um, have more housing units if they want to. Um, do this important work that they believe they're called to by a divine power. So um, the city's getting in the way of that, and we need to be able to speed up these solutions. Um, number five on housing, increase multifamily residential zoning by 15% by 2030. Um, I've had people email me and say that they have very strong feelings about not having more res multifamily residential zoning. And I believe in... in uh, and I have to basically say to those people, hey, I appreciate that you reached out. We don't agree on this issue. Um, I, I believe in density. People in Eugene talk about uh, they don't like density and they don't like sprawl. Well, we need to be able to have more people living closer together. It's more uh, environmentally efficient. Um, and it certainly, I think, creates a, a better sense of community and people having more direct um, contact with their neighbors and, which is a good thing. We, we've gotten away from that in society a little bit. Um, and I actually think, too, that if there's a domestic violence situation, there's a better chance of intervention happening if, if you have more people living in a close environment. Um, you know. So number six, housing and homelessness. Um, recognize that rent control is not a silver bullet solution. So Oregon is a landmark state for passing statewide rent control. Um, and I would really recommend that people listen to the Freakonomics podcast episode about um, rent control because um, it certainly, uh, I think in situations like in New York City, I strongly believe that rent control is applicable to a lot of the issues there where um, gentrification is ravaging um, communities that have a distinct character um, that are occupied by uh, marginalized groups that have been uh, like Harlem. I lived right by. I didn't live there because um, I would be a gentrifier. <laughs> no, I, I had a I had a scholarship that was that was sponsoring me to live um, near there. But I certainly got in touch with some of the issues surrounding how rent control is valuable and positive um, for some people, but it can also sort of freeze a community in a space and time that doesn't allow um, property improvements, etc. Um, so it's not a silver bullet solution. Housing and homelessness number seven, reinvigorate federal attention and resources for Eugene. This is something I will give credit to previous Mayor Kitty Piercy for doing. Um, she, you know, especially with housing homeless vets, was able to work with people who are across the, the aisle, proverbially, um, and uh, even got national attention from, like, Michelle Obama. 
for being able to um, get the kinds of resources that Eugene needs from um, the federal government. So that's something I would advocate for. Housing number eight, advocate at state and federal level for low-cost marriage and family counseling. Um, a reality of of some situations um, is that if you don't have strong family uh, counseling and you don't have people being able to work out and evolve beyond situations of, let's say, domestic unrest of any kind, which was my childhood, by the way, um, then you can't you can't keep people living together with the density that I advocate for and have um, you know stronger outcomes for people. So uh, we need to be able to have that as a resource, um, and that's part of housing and part of having a healthy community of people who live in Eugene. We're halfway there, fellas slash slash people, and I literally don't know how much more time I have, but. Um, I'm going to keep going through this quickly because, oh yeah, no, I got to go through this much more quickly. Pillar five end street harassment, women and kids and students deserve, and the elderly deserve to feel safe throughout Eugene. Bike path lighting is just one piece of this. Number two, big money out of politics. The best things governments have accomplished have been in spite of the influence of big money, not because of it. My self-funded primary campaign is ready to evolve into a competitive general election campaign. As we do so, I promise to position myself to be a mayor without hypocrisy on this issue. Number three, term limits within the city of Eugene. Who's going to oppose that? Um, we can have institutional memory and, and engage people who have been a part of the, the city government for many decades without... Um, making it so that other people don't have a chance to sit in those roles. Number four, conservative dignity initiative. I grew up as a progressive liberal in Eugene. I've been increasingly frustrated with the climate of decreasing bipartisanship. I'm sick of seeing right-leaning and fiscally conservative friends demonized for airing real concerns, and 2016 only made this worse. Number five, defend scientific knowledge. There's an alternative word for science, and that word is facts. Our politics should recognize evidence and data found through the scientific method. It's not that hard to do. Number six, support all ages music venues. I have an admiration for people who host live music wherever it is happening, but I especially believe Eugene's youth are at their best when all ages music opportunities are available. Number seven, star voting. Gosh, hit me up about this because I could go on about this if we talk on the phone or something. We def definitively need this Oregon-grown and innovative form of voting. It will save us money by ditching the low turnout, ergo less Democratic May primary, and give us candidates we will all be happier with. It's score then automatic runoff. You could literally give people five stars, zero stars, or anywhere in between, and it makes it so that you can vote your conscience, and then automatically they'll run off between people who end up um, passing the first round of viability, and your vote will still go to the person you preferred more out of whoever gets on the next round. I know I have to speed up, but but this is going to save us so much money because we can actually skip the low turnout primary and you know cut the amount of money that we spend on our elections in half. Number eight, keep potentially controversial items off the consent calendar. Right now, it's a way to sneak in agenda, agenda items without sufficient time for the public to consider and critique them. Number six, art. I was going to freestyle this. Um, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to do it. I was thinking I shouldn't do it, but let me just put on a beat, and I will, I will just literally the first beat I could find on blunted beats. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, shit. 
Number one, continue podcasting weekly with artists and creative leaders. That's something I believe in, because I'm a leader. And I'm a real, true believer. And other people in Eugene having voice that's true. So I've been using this to give the voice to you. I've been trying to give it like a big spew. And you're like, this is too much content coming. And I'm like, yeah, keep on going, drumming like the Energizer Bunny. We'll keep the podcast rolling. Number two, value diversity. And that's showing at the Mayor's Art Show. Yes, we need it. I went there and I was feeling so defeated. Because when I was at her art show, damn, there's only like one freaking person of color. Damn, that don't even make sense to rhyme damn with damn, but I'm so angry and I'm just like Duran Duran. I'm hungry with the wolf and I'm coming at you now to let you know that this one person was brown and they were in the far back corner of the room. And when I felt that, I was just like, that is such gloom and doom. You got to have diversity in art shows. And I believe it, so I keep on going. Number three, officially begin giving the city of Eugene Creative Giant Award. Hey, so once you're old and gray, you'll recognize the people in hip hop are okay. They're able to make controversial statements and still have academic knowledge if you hate it. You can just go on and get creative and give this award to people who's showing and representing and doing it and flowing it and every time that I get in I'm telling these people that they gotta be representing and have the fucking audacity to be creative and not feel judged you see yeah I said it number four is next explain all 64 policy goals and that's a rest that I gotta take soon because it's in an album film that I'm making right now and you know it's doom but I still am not doomed with the mask on keep it going and I'm keeping raps on Number five, support all age music venues. I believe in that. It's even overlapping too because it's all these people that need to get about the street and show these motherfuckers that we got these beats. We can bring people together all about the street and we can keep people moving in the scene and keep it going. It's not just for the bar scene. It's not just for 21 plus, you know what I mean? Yeah, number six, intergenerational group singing. Yeah, I can't... I can't go into the, the meat of the policy while freestyling. <laughs> this is a regular event that would be an exciting forum to get together and engage in meaningful cultural dialogue. We'll be singing and teaching hits from throughout many generations of American music. This is literally one of the most exciting things, I think, for me, in terms of making a vision for Eugene that everybody can be a part of. Intergenerational group singing. It's happening, y'all. Um, Number seven, invite instead of suppressing relevant performance art at the city council. Meetings should be professional and efficient, sure, but there is absolutely no benefit to their being boring. The only function that serves is to limit the audience that cares about them, allowing the council to push policies through with less public debate. Number eight, uplifting beats in the streets. This is a city event that I'm thinking about with DJs, beat makers, drummers, dancers, seminars, you know, freestyle, all sorts of dope shit. And I want it to be as intergenerational as possible, but I'm also hopefully not too delusional in thinking that this will be a fun event for youth. Pillar 7, history. Lift up the varied histories of this community is number one. We need to respect elders and learn about timber, schools, athletes, Eugene Skinner, counterculture, and Kalapuya who built and sustain us. Number two, work with Forge and Bethel to work towards localized history education. Um, I have friends who I was on a study abroad program with who were from Massachusetts, and gosh, first of all, I hate Massachusetts. Second of all, I envy that they have so much history in their local K-12 curriculum that is about Massachusetts. Um, and 
people think, oh, you East Coast just has so much more, so much richer history. Hell no. We have awesome history out here. And uh, we recognize the voices I mentioned before. We're going to go a long way. Number three on history. Ensure fairness in redistricting following U.S. Census 2020 data. This is a point that is going to be um, impacting the future of where we're going. And we have to be able to, um, if we're going to establish more wards for the city council, uh, if we're going to um, use this data um, to allocate what kinds of resources people get, there needs to be um, a hard look at it from the perspective of fairness and equity. Number four, reduce or eliminate admission costs for history museums for youth and seniors. While most historical museums in the area are free for toddlers, others still charge admission for youth and seniors. I strongly believe that allowing people in these age groups to experience history, particularly Eugene and Lane County history, will yield dividends for our community. Many generations experience a crisis in belonging, and it is in our collective interest to allow them to engage with our past without being burdened by entry fees. Number five, input more monuments with info into AR mobile games. Yes, Eugene still welcomes many to our thriving, disability-inclusive, multi-generational Pokemon Go community. I'm all about it. I play Pokemon Go often. You wouldn't believe how many great conversations I've had with Eugenians and Springfielders and visitors who um, enjoy particularly Willamette Street or Alton Baker Park, but other places that are great hubs to play. And if we actually input more historical info into the sites of interest in that game, it's a perfectly relevant way to educate people about history. Number six, listen to your elders, a story sharing event. It's going to be an awesome event. Um, I was really inspired growing up with some of the first podcasts that I ever liked to listen to were the Moth Podcast. Public storytelling is so important. It's part of our oral tradition. It's part of bringing real community together. Number seven, Subsidized ancestry DNA tests as a tangible, cost-effective form of community reparations. Gosh, I love that. I just love the concept of getting into a space that you wouldn't think of a municipal government doing, but that is so actually fundamental and integral to people's um, participation in Eugene, is knowing where they come from and knowing um, their own history. Number eight, bring back closed captioning of meetings to make them inclusive and a stronger archive. Absolutely, we have to do this. Um, it's, it's wrong that we lost this over the course of the last um, decade or so. If you go back to old uh, city council meetings from like 2007, 2008, I believe, um, they're closed captioned because isn't that weird that that fell by the wayside? We didn't recognize, um, you know, for example, the, the deaf community. So the final plan, eight Point one, climate again. So this is our climate change plan, and I'm very proud of it, and we're going to keep running through it fast because I don't think we have much time left. But please reach out to me because I'm an ardent environmentalist, and I think that there are common sense solutions we can fight for. This is something that gets controversial at times, and um, I understand there are a lot of different people with a different perspective on the, the amount of urgency that we need to have. Um, but that's just all the more reason why we need to have better dialogue where we're not just thinking like you're an evil hippie who wants to destroy businesses and you're an evil person who employs people. And so you're exploiting the climate. Those are not necessarily true. Um, even if there's truth in some certain situations. So we got to just recognize other perspectives more. I'm rambling. Number one, build our first fast charger for electric vehicles. This could have been done so easily by now. Salem has about eight, but we have none. Eco-conscious visitors should not need four hours 
to fuel up at a level two charger. I know this because I drive a Leaf, uh, a Nissan Leaf that I love. I call her Leafy Green. And um, it's actually an economic point too because um, if you could get people to stay here and, and rapid charge their EV for 40 minutes, you know, downtown in highly visible locations in places with businesses, they will check out those businesses. Um, and, you know, we need to have visitors in Eugene be catered to um, and give them reasons to love um, the convenience that living in Eugene offers. Number two, fight for climate fairness and justice. For example, Ward 8 has the highest Hispanic population and the highest concentration of polluters. That's not choosing kindness. Um, ecological justice is important. Number three, oppose new fossil fuel infrastructure that prevents keeping our word on 2030 goals. I feel disheartened and deflated every time I'm driving down Highway 99 and I get to Four Corners where I see that there's a new gas station opera, uh, being built just across from a mobile gas station that hardly looks like it's being used. Um, we're not on track to meet the, the, <laughs> the goals that are espoused in the Climate Action Plan right now. So why are we going in the wrong direction? Um, and I, you know, I, I recognize the many perspectives on this again, but, um, we can change our transportation infrastructure in a way that, that really does help our great grandkids. So I know that it's not something we think about. It tends to be abstract for some people and they want to take care of their needs now and they're a parent and they need to get around. And, um, they, if you talk about, um, you know, inhibiting gas infrastructure, people tend to like, tend to th like give you some type of look. Right. Um, but, there's so many other ways to get around and just email me if you have more questions about that because I'm a reasonable person. I just don't think we should have new infrastructure going up that's going to um, be problematic. Number four, appoint relevant liaison positions through op open applications. This is true for climate, but for a whole host of issues, I believe in having um, more positions um, that are not paid positions that are going to cost us money, but um, that allow us to reach out and reach out very uh, intentionally into communities that don't um, have a voice on the issues that they want to have. So, you know, let's have some climate liaisons out there who can bring better perspectives to our city. Number five, transition in a cost-effective way towards EVs for city of Eugene vehicles. This is um, something where the city has to lead by example. Um, we have a paradox now where we're supposed to be taking care of our people but we are using um, way too many a high uh, too many internal combustion engines when there is um, increasing technology for electric vehicles. Um, but they are going in that direction already, and I would continue that transition. I want people to know that. Number six, fight for the development of high-speed rail. Think about if you could get from Eugene to Portland in less than an hour on the rail. Eugene to Seattle in a couple hours. Um, I was born in Japan, and in the 1970s, they built the Shinkansen high-speed rail system that continues to, to cart people around at a rapid pace around there, and it's awesome, and we should be able to have it here. Um, so they're out hustling our American infrastructure, even in urban areas. West Coast cities like Eugene need to stand, stand to gain a tremendous amount from a high-speed rail network. Um, number seven, work with local climate experts on the climate action plan. Far too often, there's been discontent between experts on climate mitigation and the city of Eugene. Rather than having the constant push-pull and frustration that comes with competing with one another, I believe the city should embrace the scientists and build cohesive solutions. Number eight, 
enact incentives for solar microgrids, both residentially and commercially. I know I'm kind of a nerd and a dweeb, but PV energy, photovoltaic energy, is a really outstanding solution for a lot of people, so we should be able to make it easier for them to have that solution uh, in their in their businesses that they own and also right on their roofs in their houses. So that's my vision for Eugene. Yay! 64 policies all spoken about, some wrapped about, most of that being poorly. Um, thank you for everybody who has hung in there um, despite the anything, the technical delays that have made this stream a more of a challenge um, or uh, just the all of the noise and the difficulty with keeping up with this race in a freaking global pandemic. Um, and I hope that this video is able to be saved because I've never used this streaming software before. Um, but if not, we've got the audio here. I apologize that the audio quality wasn't that good. But I, for the final thing I want to just talk about is moving the campaign forward. Um, this could be a end cap on what was a really exciting learning experience for me um, running this campaign. I'm so grateful for so many of the people who have um, shown any kind of support throughout this in endeavor. Um, or it could be an exciting transition into um, a refined campaign and one where both candidates uh, should be taken uh, seriously and have um, recognition for what they can bring to the mayoral office. And um, if that is Lucy Venice and I, uh, if that is Lucy Venice and a write-in, if that is um, Zondi Zinke and I, or Matthew Uke, or any of the people running, um, everybody deserves to be taken a little bit more seriously. Um, and so I am so excited for the ways that I would be able to do that uh, in terms of I want to invite you. I want to invite people to have a role on this campaign team. Um, a lot of this previously has been a situation where I didn't want to drag people through something that all conventional wisdom said was a plan to fail. I, uh, I don't see it as a failure if we don't um, prevail on the ballot because of all the, the things that we've brought up and the um, advocacy that we've done for, for issues. Um, but at the same time, I recognize that if, if I had brought other people onto the team um, to, like, I had a lot of people wanting to be my campaign manager, which I'd rather have a campaign coordinator. Um, and I've had to respectfully say that um, maybe we can work together in the general election, but, um, you know, I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about the kinds of um, experiences that people need to recognize can bring positive change to uh to the city council and to the mayor's office and people of color, queer people, young people, people with disabilities, people with mental health uh, challenges, people who are very low income, people who have experienced houselessness, um, people of different religious identities, people um, should all have a chance, right? And so I have spent no money on this primary campaign, but uh, effectively and not enough where I would even have to report it. You know, it's less than a thousand bucks. Um, but to win the general election, we're going to need to beef everything up and, um, do all of the kinds of advocacy that is needed. I'm excited to knock on doors. If you want to be a part of it, um, please reach out. And I would say we are going to keep fighting for 
progress in Eugene. The people who have run um, their campaigns are going to continue to be advocates here. I would like to keep interviewing people on Less Stupid. We could have great conversations reflecting on the race. Um, I would love if people who don't win, like we have contested races, I would love if people who don't win would be willing to come on my show and chat about what they learned anyway. Because I know I've learned a lot from failure, quote unquote, um, more than I've learned from quote unquote success. So um, whatever happens, um, I am excited for Eugene to have the best leadership possible. Um, and that just reminds me of that, you know, I, I want to be friends with the, with uh, Lucy Venice. Like Lucy Venice is a nice person, despite a lot of acts that I think um, are morally questionable um, and that deserve to be um, called out or called in, right? Um, and if my only impact is that I demonstrated ways that we can be more connected to one another, hopefully this is an example, um, that I can inspire, uh, better leadership in that office. And I just am a passionate Eugenian who wants to see change happen, um, faster than it's happening. Eugene should be ahead of the curve because culturally and socially and, um, in terms of like love and appreciation for one another and what we can experience here in this beautiful community we are ahead of the curve but we have economic conditions that are not uh, that are behind the curve we are affected by most national tragedies uh, with a delay in how we're affected and a prolonged status this happened with the housing bubble in 2008 etc so um we we are gonna have a bright future and i'm so excited for the role that i've had and um that other people have played also. So let's keep shining a light on positive voices. Let's shut me the hell up and have a wonderful day. Please turn in your ballot by 8 p.m. May 19th. Have a good one, y'all. Peace.